This summer, we've been taking time to gather in the basement to intentionally meet with Jesus. We've called this series Encounters with Jesus because that's what we want, for each one of us to encounter Jesus, to spend time with him. Because when we spend time with Jesus, he heals us and he restores us so that we can join Jesus on his journey. And his healing and his restoration is always aimed at including us on this journey. Today, we're going to look at a story of a man who is excluded, who is kept away from worshiping with the people of God. But when he encounters Jesus, he's healed from the things that kept him excluded. And he's invited into a new community, one where he gets to walk with Jesus on the path to worship. Maybe some of you are familiar with the story of blind Bartimaeus. It's found in the Gospel of Mark, and it's one of my favorite stories. Growing up in Sunday school, I liked that there was someone else in the Bible who I could relate to. Someone who, when he woke up in the morning, things were a little fuzzy, or in Bartimaeus' case, he couldn't see anything. I liked that I could relate to Bartimaeus. I mean, we were both visually challenged. I've been wearing these things since I was at least four, maybe a little earlier. We both of us have known what it's like to be excluded from community to not be invited in. Bartimaeus, because he was blind and a beggar. Me, because I was the new kid at school. And he was also someone who cried out to Jesus for help and for salvation. I can relate to that. I've been there. I love that I discovered a special connection with Bartimaeus when I was a kid, and it's something that has continued on into my adult life. My hope this morning is that we would hear uh, and learn from Bartimaeus. Hear that God wants to encounter us and to journey with us, just like he did with the people in scripture. And so God heals the things still today that keep us from worshiping. And he invites us to walk with him in faith. So that way he can heal us to include us. This morning, I want to learn from Bartimaeus. So we're going to pick up his story in Mark chapter 10. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it. And if you're on your phone, go ahead and open up to Mark 10. It'll also be up on the screen. Jesus, when we find him in the story, has been walking south from the north in Galilee down to Jerusalem. And it's not a short journey. It's something about 80 miles. But you would imagine Jesus to be tired and his disciples uh, to have some questions about why they were walking so far. But no one was tired and people were really joyful to be walking because they were going to worship They were going to worship at the temple for the festival of Passover, the annual celebration, something like a Christmas or an Easter. And it wouldn't have been just them. Like when you go to the airport and you see everybody going home at Christmas or Easter, they would have been around all the other people from different parts of Israel who were traveling back to their spiritual home in Jerusalem. But not only would they have seen the people who were traveling, they would have also seen the people who weren't traveling the beggars, the people who weren't able to go. And as Jesus comes to Jericho, he experiences one of these, a man named Bartimaeus. Look at verse 46. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When we first encounter Bartimaeus, we learn a couple of things about him. First, his name, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. But if you spoke Aramaic, you would know his name is son of Timaeus in Aramaic. That's what Bartimaeus means. Mark tells us his name, and it's not something that helps us very much. 
which is funny because this tells us he's a nobody. We don't even know his actual name. We only know his dad's name. Can you imagine how lame that would be? I would be son of Bill, which, you know, that wouldn't be the worst thing, dad, but I can imagine better names. (laughs) We also learn Bartimaeus' vocation, or rather his lack of a vocation. Bartimaeus is a beggar, and he's a beggar because he's blind. He couldn't see to work in the fields or to make things, and so he's consigned to be outside the city begging for people to give him food and clothing and money. He would have been sitting on a cloak, uh, and this cloak would have been the thing, like when a musician is busking and they leave their case open, begging for people to put money down. But unlike a musician, the cloak was all that he had. But we also learn one more thing about Bartimaeus, and it's sneaky. He's sitting beside the road, or by the roadside. He's not on the road to Jerusalem like everybody else would have been. Bartimaeus is off to the side because he was considered an exile from Jewish Jewish religious life. That's a tongue twister. Because he was blind. Access to the community was dependent upon your purity, upon maintaining the kind of life where you were considered clean before God through avoiding things that made people unclean, things like shellfish or wearing shirts made of two different kinds of cloth or um, finding a dead body, or doing things that made you unclean. They were listed out in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. And when you found yourself unclean, you were supposed to offer a sacrifice to make yourself clean again, which wasn't a problem for most people. You could go to the temple, you could sacrifice, you could be made clean. But if you were blind and lame, you couldn't. Because they were barred from the temple. They were kept out of the worshiping people of God because they were considered unclean. The religious leaders took a law in Leviticus that was meant for priests uh, who could sacrifice, and they applied it to everybody who was blind or lame. And this is why they considered them unclean. Blind people couldn't see unclean things and avoid them, and lame people couldn't avoid the things that they could see. Can you imagine being kept out of a community because of something you couldn't control? Kept to the side, resigned to life on the sidelines, watching all of the people pass you by, maintaining questions, does God love me? Why did this happen to me? Why am I away from my people? Bartimaeus is literally considered an exile. And as Bartimaeus watched these people pass by, though he couldn't see them, he knew where they were going because he knew what time of year it was. It was spring and it was time for Passover. Uh, He could hear the groups of people traveling from across Israel and he listened to their songs. They were singing the Passover hymns, uh, like Christmas songs. It would be like if you closed your eyes and you had someone walk in front of you and you listened to them singing Holy, Holy, Holy or Oh Holy Night or one of those songs. And he couldn't go because he couldn't go to the temple, and he was on the sidelines. It would take a miracle for him to be able to be part of the Jewish people. I mean, who ever heard of a blind man being healed? I imagine he dreamed about it, but I never thought, or if I was him, I would never think that that would actually be a possibility. And yet, when Jesus passes by, something changes. Look at the text again in verse 47. Mark tells us, 
When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus, that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Something about hearing it was Jesus motivated Bartimaeus to cry out for mercy. That special kind of attention that you give someone in a situation that's different than yours. Attention that works to alleviate and to change their situation. Attention that gives yourself to someone else. We don't know what it was about Jesus, what Jesus did perhaps that made Bartimaeus cry out. But we do know that Bartimaeus had a hope for who Jesus was. And that hope was the reason that he cried out. That he thought Jesus might be able to give him what he needed. Because he refers to Jesus as son of David. Throughout Jesus' ministry, people speculated that he was the son of David. Or as we might know it, the Messiah. The anointed one. The one who God had chosen and promised in 2 Samuel to David that uh, he would be a king who would rescue the people of Israel. The same son of David who Isaiah prophesied would recover the Israelites from their exile and bring the outcasts back to their people. The person who God had specially chosen to save the world from itself. The entire nation at this time was eagerly waiting for this person to show up. When the things that were wrong would be put right, these people had a hope that someday, somehow God would intervene and make things right again. Could you guys relate to that, especially after this last year and a half? I can understand not just Bartimaeus' hope, but everybody else's hope. When they believed, uh, what they believed is that when this person would show up, things would change for the better. And I think this is one of the reasons why Bartimaeus cries out. In Isaiah, he prophesies about the Messiah, and it's in chapter 35. Let me read it really quick. When the Messiah shows up, this is what's going to happen. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. Can you imagine having this hope that the savior, the Messiah, the son of David would come and the blind and the lame and the mute would speak. The lame would dance and the blind would be able to see. If you were a blind person at that time, I would be praying every single moment for that person to show up so I could see. I imagine if Bartimaeus uh, knew all of this talk about Jesus potentially being the son of David, and then he heard that Jesus was walking by, I think he would think like me. I think he would go, that's Jesus? He's the one they've been talking about. Maybe he could help me, because if he's truly the Messiah, when he shows up and I encounter him, things will change. Isaiah promised it, and we've been holding on to this hope. Sometimes hope's like that. It's all you have. It's desperate. It comes from a place deep within. And so in an incredible act of faith, Bartimaeus cries out to Jesus with that title, son of David, have mercy on me. It's clear that Bartimaeus thought Jesus could change his circumstances by giving himself to Bartimaeus. And his belief that Jesus was the son of David motivated that cry. We all have situations and conditions where we would hope that God would intervene, right? Maybe you're a parent watching your children grow up and you're just hoping that God will keep them safe in a world that feels very unsafe. Or maybe you're a student who's hoping that one day God will heal you from the anxiety that you feel, from the fear from what might happen if people knew who you truly were. 
Or perhaps you're struggling with an addiction and you hear that God brings freedom to people and you want a taste of that freedom. Or maybe you have a deep, desperate hope that God would actually be real. You've heard about it your entire life, but you haven't quite experienced it. In each of these and in whatever else you are experiencing, let Bartimaeus's cry encourage you and also challenge you. Encourage you that there have been people who've cried out to Jesus uh, even back then. For 2,000 years, people have been crying out to Jesus. And challenge you, if there's something that rises up within you, a deep hope that you think only God can fulfill, you should cry out. You should say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I think we're too afraid sometimes to listen to our desires because we want them to look a certain way or we want to look a certain way. But God doesn't deal with us as God doesn't deal with us as we want ourselves to be. He meets us where we actually are. What would happen if we brought all of our lives before God in faith that He would actually be able to help us? Well, it definitely wouldn't be easy. That's one thing we learned from Bartimaeus' story. And it'll probably take some persistence on our part to stick through it. Because we're going to face opposition, whether that's from within or from outside. We see this in the story. Look again at verse 47. When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy upon me. It seems like too often uh, the people who are walking with Jesus do their best uh, to push people away from God. I've always wondered why people do this. When we encounter Jesus, things change. I feel most myself around Jesus, and yet I catch myself not thinking people are good enough for Jesus, or that I'm not good enough, or that uh, people don't have it all together. I wonder if the crowd was like this. But one of the reasons why I wonder why they did this is they've already tried to keep people away from Jesus, and he pushed back on them. Do you know the story of the children being brought to Jesus by the parents? And, and the disciples say, no, 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 he doesn't have time for you. They're too little. They're children. They're not people that Jesus needs to see. What Jesus says back to them is important. And it should challenge how we think of not just about children, but about everybody in our church. Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. If Jesus wants to spend time with children and the outcast, wouldn't he want those people to be able to be brought to him? We can learn something from everyone who comes to God in faith. And this is one thing that we should be challenged by. We're always going to think certain people don't belong in front of Jesus. And oftentimes, the person we think doesn't belong the most is ourselves. We disqual I disqualify myself from faith in Jesus all the time. I'm not good enough. I'm not put together enough. I don't have enough faith. And Jesus, when I cry out, says, you don't need enough faith. You have me. The person that I have to push through is often myself. But sometimes we also need to ignore the objections of other people who say, you need to change yourself before you can come before Jesus. You need to stop doing that or living that way in order to come to Jesus. No, you don't. Cry out to Jesus first and foremost experience him and things will change. And if we catch ourselves pushing other people away, we should stop doing that. The community of God is for all people who cry out to God. There's no perfect people here. Would you agree with me on that one? If, if that's true of us, that should be true of other people. 
And we should tell other people that, and we should also believe that for ourselves. That's a challenging word, and it's often hard to experience that. But I, I want to encourage you, we should do that because that's what Jesus does for us. And we see that in this story. He goes on when Bartimaeus cries out, it, picking it up in verse 49, or at the end of 48. Bartimaeus cries, son of David, have mercy on me. And notice what happens. Jesus says, it's, the text says, Jesus stood still and he said, call him here. And they, the crowd, called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling to you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And then Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus does what no one else would have done. He stops and then he says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He doesn't stop to offer food or money. He stops to offer Bartimaeus himself, to give Bartimaeus mercy. This is incredible to me because when you think about it, Jesus is busy. You see that in his story? Jesus is one of the busiest guys around. People are always trying to get his attention. We live here on the East Coast. We always have something to do, don't we? We can go someplace. We can be on the way. To stop on your way is hard. It's even harder when you're running late and you're running late for something like a Christmas or an Easter service. Or in Jesus's case, he was going to worship at the temple for Passover, one of the most important days or celebrations that a Jewish person could participate in. But Jesus was also on a different journey, one far more important than his disciples thought they were on, because Jesus knew he was on a journey to the cross where he would rescue everyone from their exile from God so that death might pass over all who believe in him. And Jesus stops in the midst of these important journeys and puts a pause on all of the God stuff that he's doing. And he stops for someone who was on the outskirts, who was not part of the group walking to Jerusalem. So he can ask the question, what do you, what do you want me to do for you? What an opportunity to Bartimaeus, huh? I mean, the God of the universe in Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? When his disciples asked him, came up to him with a question and said, Jesus, we have a question for you. And you, he said, what do you want me to do for you? They asked for positions of power in the coming kingdom. They asked for Jesus to elevate them from being disciples to his right and left-hand commanders. And Jesus says, you, you don't know what you're asking for. And yet he asks Bartimaeus the same question. What do you want me to do for you? I love asking this to our students here. Uh, I work with our students as the student pastor. I love asking, what do you wish that Jesus could do for you? What is the thing that only Jesus could do for you? It's such an honest question. And their answers teach me a lot about what they believe about Jesus and what they don't. Uh, some say all the money in the world or unlimited power or unlimited wishes, which is always the get around for the genie question. Or my favorite one, a girlfriend. And I'm like, dude, you're 11. Like, okay. But sometimes they give me an honest answer. The, the, the things that don't seem as important or maybe as big as power or a good grade in their math test or a girlfriend but the things that they actually hope for. Things like, 
I wish Jesus would help my parents work through their marriage difficulties because I wonder if they will and I'm afraid of what might happen. Or I want Jesus to help me to stop getting so mad at my sister. She's just being herself and I love her, but man, I can't stand her most days and I feel like such a bad brother. Or I want to not be picked on for being small. I didn't choose this. I was just born small. Or I want Jesus to listen to me. Because sometimes when I'm talking, it feels like he's a million miles away dealing with other people's stuff and that he doesn't think I'm important enough to spend time with. When we ask ourselves this question, or rather, when we let God ask us this question, what comes up in your heart? What is the desire that you wish Jesus would meet? Be honest. Strip away the Christian language, I want to be made righteous. Maybe for some of you, you want to be made right, but I think we have a tendency to try and dress ourselves up before God instead of being honest with what we actually think or feel. What is it that you want me to do for you? We need God. That's just part of being human. I have a friend who every time I say something like, I wish it wasn't like this, they go, welcome to the human race. (laughs) We all need Jesus in order to live. Now, some of you might say, well, nothing really comes up within me or nothing that Jesus wants to pay attention to. Yes, he does. If you're hungry and that's the desire that comes up, maybe God wants to feed you. Maybe that's with the food he's provided or maybe that's something deeper. The desires that come up within you are always meant to lead us back to God. That is what it means to practice God's presence in our daily life. When Jesus asked Bartimaeus this question, Bartimaeus responds in a significant way. Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? And the text says, uh, the blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Bartimaeus responds out of his deepest desire. He chooses to ask for his sight, for Jesus to give him the very thing that he lacks, the thing that makes him in exile from all the people around him. He's not just asking for a physical fix. He's asking for a relational fix. And this is what's incredible. Jesus responds to him. He says, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and followed Jesus on the way. Jesus responds to Bartimaeus' plea out of the depth of his being by giving him what he asked for by restoring him, by healing the very thing that separated Bartimaeus from other people. He restores Bartimaeus' relationship with others, but also Bartimaeus' relationship with God. No longer is he unclean. He can see. He can avoid the things that he couldn't beforehand. He can go to the temple with everybody else. It's interesting to me that the primary focus of the story isn't Bartimaeus' healing of his eyes. That's secondary. The primary healing is Bartimaeus' a relationship with God and with other people through the healing of his eyes. And the real celebration and proclamation of the story is that Bartimaeus ends up on the way. That's so incredible to me. He saved, included into the people of God, not excluded, but included. In Greek, that phrase, he has made you well, can also be translated, you have been saved. Isn't that incredible? Bartimaeus has been healed and saved, fixed 
and brought within the community. And the incredible thing is that throughout the Gospel of Mark, a picture of what discipleship to Jesus looks like is being described as on the way with Jesus. Bartimaeus' separation from the people of God was healed before he ever responded to Jesus' question, what do you want me to do for you? Did you see that in the text? It was healed when Jesus called Bartimaeus to himself, from beside the way to onto the way. From beside the road, onto the road, from outside of the crowd to within the crowd. From receiving opposition to the crowd to receiving help from the crowd to get to Jesus. Jesus restores him to life with God in community through his invitation to come to him. All before his sight is restored. Jesus works in ways that are beyond us. And the very things that we think disqualify us from participating in Jesus' story oftentimes are the things that become the catalyst for our journey with God. That is what Jesus does. Before we realize it, Jesus has healed the very things that prevent us from participating in his story. Our separation from God was undone when Jesus called us to himself on the cross. When he made the sacrifice that opened up the door for everyone to be considered clean without having to sacrifice, where people were made clean before they realized it. And then he goes one step further and restores the things that we think separate us from God. Our anxieties, our fears, our bodies, our minds. He does it in ways that are beyond our understanding. And he reminds us no one is prevented from being with Jesus no matter what happens. No matter their gender or his physical condition or her mental state, Jesus has room for everyone at the table. And he welcomes everyone in and then he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? His heart is to encounter us and to include us and to heal us. To learn from him as our teacher and as our guide. Bartimaeus must have thought that God condemned him to a life on the sidelines because of his blindness. Forever hearing about life with God, but not actually being able to participate within it. But Mark tells us that God has included him before his blindness was healed. And God includes to heal other people. He doesn't just heal us to include us. Do you remember the passage I read from Isaiah 35 earlier? The bit about the blind being healed and the lame walking? It goes on to say this. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up onto it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy upon their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Bartimaeus is reported to have gone on the way with Jesus. And each one of us too is invited to walk on God's holy way. Jesus has called to you and invited you on, no matter where you find yourself. That is a decision we make once, but it's a decision we make every single morning and afternoon to follow Jesus on the way, to choose to see ourselves as the ransomed and the redeemed on that holy way, walking in joy and in hope and in freedom. When we encounter Jesus, we're healed so we might be included in the people of God, but we are also included so we might be healed. And that is really good news because it means no one is outside and we are with Jesus when we call out to him.
son of God, or son of David, have mercy on me. So let us call out to God together and pray. God, you are good. Thank you that you reach out towards us before we realize it. That when we pray back to you, we are answering your call. Thank you that you heal us and you include us, and you include us so you heal us. Holy Spirit, would you be with us? Would you encourage us? Would you answer the fears and the doubts and the desires that we have within, with your presence? Would you give us mercy? We thank you for the gift of Jesus when you answered our cries for mercy with yourself. And we ask in all of this, through the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, that you would be with us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.